Hi, Steve. Hi. How are How's you? I'm good. Oh, yeah? <laughs> have, you, have you been, uh, well, hold on. First, before we go on anything with a Gorko podcast. <laughs> what the fuck is going on? <laughs> Steve welcome to, welcome well, to the Gorko podcast, everybody. I'm Steve Vessel. And Dr. Mundell Dave. I'm Ace. Okay. What were you going to say? I was going to say that we've all been stuck in our houses for the last week, almost like we have Kevin Fever. Kevin Fever. <laughs> I had to get out, man. I'm sorry. <clears throat> yeah, you had to. So this week's episode, we're going to talk about the 2002 classic and kickoff point for Eli Roth. Yeah. Eli, the Earl of Roth. Yeah. The guy that always plays a douchebag, and he's not a good actor, so he probably really is a douchebag. <laughs> oh, man, I hope not. Every interview I've seen of him, it's pretty fucking great. I feel like he's like that Quentin Tarantino where he's like... He just comes across as a, he like all he's ever done is watch movies his entire life, and so like when he talks about, it, he's just like, "Let me tell you something else, man." And he's just like, and like never stops talking about it. And you're like, and like he's like the guy you would run into at a party, and he's like, he was okay, but like all he talked about was this movie I'd never heard of for like twenty minutes. That, that's me. That's, that's probably right. But, <laughs> that's me at every party in the nineties. But he doesn't have uh, just all feet in his movies. Yeah, it's yeah, no. Feet. Oh god, just his one eyebrow. Yeah, <laughs> but speaking speaking of, I've I've got to I've got to talk about this for a second. Okay, before we get into this, before we get into this, so I watched um, I watched uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Finally, oh man, I love it's that. amazing. <laughs> it is, it is. And then somebody pointed out that this was the first movie that Tarantino did that wasn't backed by Weinstein's. Yeah, the Weinstein's, and I've noticed in this one they show more feet than any other film. Is it fucked up to think that the Weinstein's <laughs> were sending them like notes, like "Hey man, cut the feet shit out"? Because they're as soon as it was pointed out to me, I'm like, "God damn, you can see her feet in this one. Her feet are just fucking full frame in this one." Oh yeah, the and movie he, theater is just like yeah, all it's just feet. like he just went off the rails. <laughs> he didn't have the feet police by the yeah, fucking asshole. Yeah, it was so he made it with different people, and they and they were just like, "Do whatever you want. You're quitting Tarantino." He's like, "Yes, my time is now." Yeah. Oh no, feet everywhere. I told well, I told uh, Steve before we started that I started reading the book he wrote about. From he wrote a whole novelization of Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, and like it goes into so much crazy detail about every character and everybody in the movie. Like there's a whole chapter about how they got the pit bull Brad Pitt's character, and like how he got that. And then there's the whole backstory of him in World War II and his wife, and like it's just like so much. Like if he had made the movie like the book, it would have to be like a ten part miniseries. Put it on Netflix. I would watch that. Yeah, I would watch. It's that. It's really good. He's a good writer. But I finally saw it, so I was, I was pretty happy. What did you think? That. Like, did you love it? Yeah, I thought it was a good movie. Yeah, man, that was fun. I love that ending. The ending was great. It fucking takes you for 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 a turn, man. I yeah. was like, well, this is gonna be depressing. Oh wait, no, it's awesome. Much like Inglorious Bastards with an E. Yeah, I, yeah. Love, I love it, dude. I, whenever he walks in, he's like, he's like, "What was your name? Something about some devil shit or something?" And he's like, <laughs> "It's exactly what I'd imagine yeah. if you walk into somebody's house in like fucking Hazard, Kentucky. This is happening to you." Yeah. Well, we're thinking about doing an episode on true crime movies based on true crime events, and that one might, we'll definitely have to at least touch up on that. It's not really a horror film, but when we're going to get into that genre. True crime horror films. There might some more like exploitation movies. So we have to talk about that movie. Oh, we will. Yeah, we yeah. will. And that fucking epic ending. It was. It was. <laughs> it was very unexpected. Caught me out of left field, and I was like, "Oh man, this is this is awesome." Yeah, but let's dig into Eli Roth. 
Eli Roth. Mr. Director, writer, producer, actor, Eli Roth. The guy that got his start with Cabin Fever and then was just like, hey, I want to write, I want to make torture porn. Let's do it. Jesus Christ, Dave. <laughs> Born in 1972 in, uh, was it Newton, Massachusetts? Yeah. Uh, did he grow up rich? I think so. Yeah, Dr. Dad. Um, Dr. Dad, a psychoanalyst, psychiatrist for, at Harvard University. Was that his real name? Dr. Dad. <laughs> Dr. Dad. Dr. <laughs> Dr. Daddy. Uh, it's Sheldon Roth, uh, and his mo- his mother, Cora, was a painter, so and not the house kind. So yeah, he had you know he had opportunities already that I sure as fuck would never have. Yeah, I've heard him. He was on one of the Joe Bobs, and uh, I just listened to him. <laughs> Sorry, this sounded great. One of the Joe Bobs. One of the Joe Bobs. He was on one of those episodes, and just listening to him talk about his childhood, you're like, God, you had the greatest childhood I could have ever imagined in my entire life. Like He was like, he goes, you know, uh, at his bar mitzvah, for all of his friends, he played the movie Mother's Day. Like wow. somebody gave it to him, he was like, "I have to watch this movie." And so he played that as bar mitzvah for all these people. That's not if you've never seen Mother's Day. That's not just like a hey, let's all get together and watch Mother's no, Day. The original you know, is tough. It's not like Evil Dead Two, or it's like this is fun. Yeah. Oh man, uh, it's a rough watch. I showed that years ago to a really hungry crowd, and then we got. I was like. Oh, this is way more rapey than I yeah. remember it being. I was like, uh, shit. Yeah, uh, it was a it's a downer movie, man. It is. Yeah, and but it's really good. Yeah, and if you that, love like, exploitation movies, now yeah. you're a man. Let's watch this movie. Right. <laughs> yeah, no shit. Oh my god. So uh, let's see. I've got uh, Adam and Gabriel uh, are his brothers, and they made so many short films. I think it was like an, into the hundreds, and they made them all the way up through college. Um, let's see. He went to teach. School of the Arts in New York University, uh, founded in 1965. Yeah, he made that. He made those uh, little shorts called Chowder Heads that played in between. <laughs> I was going to ask you, if you knew about those. Uh, Nitro, like uh, the the WCW shows. Yeah. I could never find. I can't find anything on those. Like, they, like, not not visually at least. Like I can find information, but I wanted to watch one. Oh, the one. Of the, well, I think that's a different. The DVD has the Rotten Fruit. That's the Rotten, rotten Fruit. Fruit. That's what it is. Yeah. The Rotten Fruit. The, I was thinking that was on there, which has nothing to do with the movie. And the first time I put in the DVD, I was just going through it, and I was like, what the fuck is this? Yeah, I was real confused about that, too, the first time I put that in. I was like, what the fuck like is Claymation? this? Claymation? No. It's just weird. It's just like, well, this guy does a lot of drugs. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, let's see. He worked for Penthouse Magazine as an online operator posing as a woman. I don't mean like posing like, ooh, here's my flaps. I meant like, you know, posing. Like, don't look at me like you that. You mean like the operator? like. <laughs> yeah. Like well, one eight uh, one nine hundred numbers. Yes, I, no, I thought no, it was online. It was online, yeah. and you could do like a cyber sex thing. And he was on the other end, like just typing back. What are you wearing? Like that kind of thing, which is kind of, <laughs> which is kind of sad. Like Katie's like, mm. I mean, I know, like you know, you're talking like this was in the nineties. AOL chat rooms, like yeah. he's, you know, he's Alicia Roth. You know, the the fact that you had to get onto a website and pay someone to have cyber sex. It's kind of sad, but you hey, know. man, fuck you. <laughs> well, you know, maybe he just didn't have Yahoo Chat or something. I don't yeah. know. But uh, yeah, that's that's where interns start. Yeah, the cyber sex department. That's where you develop all those good writing skills. Yeah, well, <laughs> I, mean, I suppose. Yeah, he is a good writer. Uh, I will get to like definitely some of his his writing material and the things that he's put in these films that some people just kind of don't even talk about, but. I noticed that kind of shit. Let's see. I also have him down as a the Howard Stern's assistant on Private Parts. Yeah, I saw that. I thought that was real interesting because I, I, I think that movie is universally panned, but I think it's hilarious. <laughs> I 
I watched it. I can't remember why or how I watched it, but uh, when I did, I was like, I was, it's surprisingly really good. Yeah, it's. I think it's great. Like, it's a good movie. It's not like, <laughs> like it's not like it doesn't look bad. You know, you know yeah. my my stupid criteria of what I like about a movie is like yeah. it actually looks good. It's acted well. Like Howard Stern can act even yeah. though he's being himself. Like, you know, how many people we've seen in the biopic? It's like oh. God, yeah. they should have cast somebody else as you. Paul Giamatti and like, it's, yeah. it's like WNBC. WNBC. <laughs> Jenna Jameson's the greatest. Jenna Jameson, I'm just saying. Oh, yeah. I watched that scene many times when that movie came out. <laughs> <laughs> but he wrote uh, the spec script for Cabin uh, Fever in 1996 while he was an intern. Or not intern, while he was an assistant for Howard Stern uh, during the Private Parts movie. And it supposedly came from like a, a real experience. I read. I read that he was like bailing hay or something, and he was in Iceland. I think on like a horse farm or yeah. something, which yeah. just, just still speaks to his like. He's like, you know, as you all do, and you're in your teenage years, go to Iceland and work on a horse farm. <laughs> he's like, got to he earn just, his keep. He says it no so nonchalant and things like that's just something everybody does. Some people go to Las Vegas. <laughs> some people go to Iceland and work but, with har- horses. Okay, but horses. he got a skin infection over there, and it kind of uh, made him read about skin eating viruses, and it terrified him. Yeah, and the shaving thing—that that, was—that was apparently uh, maybe it's maybe it's more elaborated, but he said that that's real. Oh yeah, I think he was like shaving his face. Yeah, I wanted to talk about all those kind of like little little anecdotes as we go through the whiteboard of doom. All right, the, the whiteboard. Let's just, let's just dive in. Where do we start, Steve? Oh, I see. We've got Cabin Fever, 2002. That's right. How does all this start, by the way? Dog. No one knows. Dead dog. It's a dead dog. And it's just like, it's 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 a bullshit thing. Like, I'm going to put a dead dog and have this guy react. Oh, my God, my dog's dead. <laughs> I like, like, first. He's, he's trying to feed it. Yeah, yeah, he's obviously fucking mental. Well, it's like a dead animal, and he's just hitting it on its mouth. Like, hey, yeah. hey, wake up. Wake up, baby. Wake up. And then like, oh, my God, your guts are on the floor. <laughs> he, well, he's just he's trying to wake the baby up, you know. And like you do, you you hold a baby by its legs, and then it's, it shits all over like, you. Uh, is that how you do with babies? That's how I change a baby, man. <laughs> you hold it by its legs, it shoot at you. I don't yeah. know why I'm acting like I don't know how to speak. Sorry. It shoot at you. Anyways, so he finds the dog. <laughs> Sorry, Dave, carry on. No, no, no. I'm holding you back. He carry finds on. the dog, and immediately you get some gore, because... <laughs> They're just like fucking. He, he didn't he have like a dead rabbit or something in his hand? That's too? what I'm saying. He's like hey. he's like touching the dog's muzzle with a dead rabbit, being like, "Hey, baby, wake up!" Yeah, wake he's up. the town hermit. He yeah, is the town hermit. We we learn his name later on, but yeah, he is the town hermit. And then we get to immediately meet the the uh, the, the students. I said, meet the characters. They all suck. This is why. I, this is what I was talking about when I was talking about the Evil Dead sequels. This movie, instead of just starting out like. Just like you could have, like, if this was the Evil Dead remake, it would have been this movie they started and they would have been in the cabin already and everybody would have been coughing up blood on each other. <laughs> like in this one, you actually get like, oh, hey, here they are. You get to meet them. They're all friends. They're on a, they're going to go on a little vacation for well, the weekend. Well, that's the thing with Eli Roth movies that I've noticed, uh, noticed that, uh, no, I don't like any of his characters. They all fucking suck. You know, it's not until Hostel 2 that I enjoyed, like, the characters. Like, I gave a shit if they died or not. Yeah, because Hostel 1, you're just like, oh, man, those guys kill them all. Somebody give me a Basset Hound tattoo. I'll fucking kill them. (laughs) (laughs) I was going to say, like, this came out in 2002. These are college. I was a college student in 2002. That was my freshman year of college. And I can pretty much guarantee this is how everyone I went to college with acted like. And 
talked like and even dressed like because even seeing the girls how they dress got like the super low rise jeans on you're like oh i remember that <laughs> i remember that in college yeah I remember that was a thing yeah you sort of meet him and it's like a dawson's creek moment i guess i don't <laughs> yeah. i don't know it's like you're really confused about the movie you're watching because like this wait. music exactly <laughs> like this is weird music they're in a fucking car as you're like if he hadn't put if he hadn't put the dead dog at the beginning of this movie, I would have been. I probably would have turned it off by now because I wouldn't think it was a horror film. <laughs> see, like, see, Ace, it needs a little splash at the beginning, okay? Yeah, no, I, I mean, need that moment just, at just the beginning splash. of the movie where you meet everybody and say, "Hey, here we all are, and we're friends." <laughs> well, James DeBello is Bert. Uh, Jordan Ladd kicks ass, by the way. Is Karen? Uh, Serena Vincent is Marcy. Joey Kern is Jeff. Ari Vernine is the Hermit. Uh, and of course, Giuseppe. We'll talk about all those guys, and of course, yeah. writer fucking strong. Yeah, boy meets world. Yeah, the thirsty friend. Uh, Katie had a great <laughs> fucking thing about uh, when he got cast, or even you talked about it. It's like when you cast when you cast writer strong, you you don't hate him. Yeah, and he's a despicable piece of shit through this movie. Yeah, but like, everybody automatically likes him. Right. Yeah. I mean, do you hate him? Man, okay, we'll get to those scenes. <laughs> like, she just turned off her microphone. <laughs> you can tell me why you hate him later, Katie. That's oh, we'll fine. get to those. I was watching it and be like, I get it. <laughs> but I, just, I think because he's such a likable character. I mean, uh, we're not going to talk about the, the scenes now, but what, go ahead. I see. I wanted to like him so much because, you know, he's Sean from Boy Meets World. <laughs> and so I'm liking him, I'm liking him, and then he's doing these things that I, I can't like him anymore. Yeah. yeah. Well, we'll discuss that when we get to it, but I think you're wrong. I love it that she's like, <laughs> clip, I'm in, clip, I'm out. <laughs> well, Katie like, has your moments. Everybody in this movie I know from, or like the main cast I know from something, like Jordan Ladd, she was also in, uh, she was in uh, Death Proof later on, but yeah. before this, she's probably most known for being Cheryl as daughter. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, she was in Club Dread. Uh, Serena Vincent, most notably, is the naked student Ariola in Not Another Teen Movie. Yeah, yeah and that comes and, up in this movie because yeah. uh, she didn't want to do some nude scenes, apparently. Yeah, yeah. and she's actually, in, in that scene, she's parodying, parodying whatever, parodying, par- parodying. Uh, uh, fucking American Pie, Yeah, which James DeBello's in. Yeah. There you go. James Avello from uh, Detroit Rock City. I love that yeah, dude. He's yeah, he's Detroit Rock. He's the, he plays a dumb friend bro dude in like so many movies. I imagine just because he looks that way, like that guy could not just not be in a movie and just be like, duh, bro, dude. He has like, the perfect voice. For yeah. every, it's like the character, every time you hear his voice, like, oh, that, that's definitely, that character works. Yeah. He's a great actor. The, um, I think everybody in this movie actually is really good. Yeah, they're all. It's I a think great they're cast. All good actors, I think. Yeah. I think. I think it's a good cast. Yeah, the I mean, one kid's from characters though. The eh. uh, the blonde guy, he's from Super Troopers. That's yeah. what I know him from. He's the Schnozberries or whatever in that scene. It's like you are freaking out. Uh, but I mean, yeah, we <laughs> we meet these amazing characters and they show up at this kick ass fucking store. Yeah. It's great. And Dennis is there. Dennis. Dennis. Dennis is my favorite character in this movie. What do you should not ever do next to Dennis? Don't sit next to him. Don't fucking sit next to Dennis, man. <laughs> like, first off, don't sit next to strange kids in yeah. the middle of nowhere. Nothing good is going to come from that. Fucking goddamn Bert. And he just gets bitten. Bert sits down next to Dennis, gets bitten automatically, and then Paul's just like, we're going to, you, you, in a lawsuit thing, it's like you automatically hate these characters. Wait, was it Bert? Was it Paul? Paul gets bitten first. No. Oh yeah, you're right. Yeah. Yeah. First, it's Paul. That's right. And he's like, go go back there and wash it off in the creek. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's behind behind the store. Yeah, behind the store, over a pile of fucking rusted I beams. Yeah, yeah. You know, 
clean. It's drinkable. <laughs> it's potable water. And then they bring they bring in real dogs. And at this like, point, it's clean. Yeah, yeah. But the but the shopkeep the shopkeep I had to look that guy up. His name is Robert Harris, old man Caldwell. Um, not much about him. I mean, he did some movies and died, but he come he started talking to him like, oh, this guy's sweet. He's talking about his bottles and. What's the fox piss for? For foxes. Oh, here we go. And then he just drops the N word casually. (laughs) (laughs) It's so like out of place because you're like, oh, it it catches you off guard because like, oh, this sweet old man's talking about his Shirley Temple bottles and poor (laughs) that that poor soul. I had to take her in the back and give her a coke. Oh, I know. (laughs) And she's like, what's the rifle for? Oh yeah, 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 yeah. No, in in a more direct way. And you're just like, oh shit. And it takes us right into number two here: the vocabulary of cabin fever. It was. It was. Uh, it was. Uh, they, they said some hard words in that movie, and I think that he wrote that purposefully. Oh yeah, yeah. Just like, just much like Tarantino, uh, he's got a lot of criticism about that kind of stuff. Uh, and it's like in the first twenty minutes, it's it's the N word, it's the G word, it's the F word, it's the R word. He hits them all. Yeah, because you know, two thousand two college kids. Yeah, I I talked about this a lot. I got a. Stephen King book club that we're in, and there's always like a running <laughs> joke where you're watched, yeah, <laughs> or like every, every Stephen King story, it's like a lazy. I think it's a lazy writing thing. Like it's like, hey, I need to set up that this guy is not a good person. What's the easiest way to do that? Just uh, make him racist, say the n word, and it's like I think it's just lazy writing when they do that, right? Because you could go out of your way to set up how this guy would be a bad person or whatever, but you can just automatically go to that, and the audience would be like kind of taken back, and they're like, oh, So God. you're saying the stand could have been like, like you know, 200 pages if <laughs> yeah. the flag would have just come out and <laughs> yeah. dropped the end bomb? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Jesus Christ. I'm just, but it's, uh, Stephen King does it a lot in his stories where you have to like, and a lot of the short stories too, where it's like, uh, I need to make sure everybody in the audience knows that this guy sucks. Uh, let's make him say you're something racist. <laughs> and it's just like, I, th- I think it's always just kind of a lazy thing to do. Which it, in this story, it comes back at the end and it's like, uh-huh, you know. Yeah, and um, the thing, like, well, I'm glad you brought up Stephen King because Stephen King likes to uh, include very like, much like Lovecraft or whatever, these country bumpkin characters. So also they're trying to establish maybe that mentality. Yeah, probably. Too, yeah. Probably. It's but, like, oh, they're you know they're they're up in the mountains, so they don't understand. And this store is like my hometown. We had this store, like, like the guy that worked there, and we had like all these people exist in the town I grew up in, and that store exists there. Like, like I just I went to so many places like this, and they had the old man who was just like, hey y'all, how you doing? That Shirley Temple glass, like, <laughs> like all that. That's oh, yeah. all like that's it's, it's all real. Like those people exist. <laughs> they were they like everybody in the town was really nice, and even the even uh Bert. Just stole a Snickers bar, and they're like, "Hey, you shouldn't have stolen that Snickers bar." They were like, "Get out of here, you goddamn kids!" He just he talked to him like you know, like a real person would from a shop like that. Oh, absolutely, and from- it establishes him as a complete prick. Yes, yeah. and just like a selfish asshole. And then his friends were like, "What the fuck?" He's like, "What?" What? You know, we've all had that friend. Like, really, man? Yeah, yeah. really. They, they get caught stealing, and you're like, "God damn it!" Now I feel like an asshole. I've had friends like I'll bring a friend over to a friend's house, and they are freaking thieves. I'm like, "What? Can you put the stormtrooper back?" Oh yeah, I've, def- <laughs> I've I've been at a party. It was not me. I've been at a party where like somebody I used to hang out with, like 
the cops came and there was like a big scramble and everybody was leaving and like we get back in the car and he's like <laughs> I kind of stole a couple of these movies while I was in there in the midst of everything. <laughs> oh like, my god! <laughs> I was like a piece of shit, and that's why I have a copy of the movie Goodfellas to this day. <laughs> it's not somebody's junk. <laughs> Somebody you got junk copy of VHS. Uh, yeah, junk you got copy. a stolen copy. <laughs> stolen. No, I meant like it, that's where you hit it by the junk. <laughs> oh, it was. It was down the front of his pants. <laughs> yeah, I, I, went to, I went to a store one time. A grocery store came out with a whole bunch of food. My friend opened up his shirt and just pulled. Pull out pizzas. <laughs> They're frozen. Like, what the hell, man? You're like that guy in street trash when he's just putting the yes. meat down his pants. Yes. <laughs> oh, fuck, man. And then we, 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 we move on to my favorite part of the movie, actually, is the story time. Story time. Story time around the fire. That's where he tells the, uh, that's where, that's where uh, Sean, I'll yeah. call you on Sean, uh, tells the scary story from the deleted scene on Boys Meets World, right? Yeah. So, yeah, story time, and we meet Grimm and Dr. Mambo. But let's talk about the story time, because this, this reminds me so much of Friday the 13th, part, oh, two, yeah. part two, the beginning. I mean, oh, it's, yeah. even, it's even filmed that way. It's great. I it's love like that previously stuff. on the Cabin Fever. Yeah, and this is when, when Ryder Strong tells that kick-ass story about the, about the uh, bowling alley. Yeah, which is a true story, apparently, that they based that on. Uh, so, yeah, the bowling alley story that Paul tells around the campfire is based on a real-life quadruple homicide that occurred in Boston in 1980, where a former employee, a guy named Brian Dyer, broke in and killed four employees of this bowling alley and bound their hands uh, with handcuffs and a belt and bludgeoned them all with a bowling pin before shooting them all in the head. And then uh, three of them died at the scene, uh, one died at the hospital, he eventually got caught, obviously. I mean, how do you get away with that? Uh, what, year, <laughs> wait, what year was it again? Uh, 1980. Oh, yeah, you can get away with and that. And then uh, they caught him. He got sentenced to four consecutive life terms, died in prison in 2011. Oh, good for him. Fuck so, that guy. Yeah. yeah, that's just like the story in the, around the campfire. Every Friday the 13th, Steve. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Shit. But, I mean, I love that. And then, like, well, this is the scene that, like, one of his brothers, it looks just like Eli Roth. Yeah, I always yeah. thought it was until I like recently, and I was like, he's like, that's my brother, and I was like, we all look exactly alike. Yeah, I think it's Adam. I can't remember which one it is. He's, got he's older even brother. a worse actor. <laughs> he just has to be the happy guy. He's the headless happy dude. He's just like yeah. the, just, just when his like, head is in the ball return and he's yeah. flipping around. It's so great. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, story time. This and is where this is also where we meet Grim, Grim, and Doctor Mambo. Grim. Yeah. I thought this was the funniest thing when I heard the first time I watched this movie. I thought this was hilarious when he shows up because he was like, he's like, yeah, what kind of doctor is he? He's like, yeah, he's a doctor of being a dog. Ooh, face. Yes. Like I thought that was hilarious the first time I saw it. <laughs> uh, it's 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 very cringeworthy now, but yeah, yeah it's I was pretty like, funny. Watching it, I'm like, yeah, it's not as funny as I remember. <laughs> and the whole time you're like, Doctor Mambo. Yeah, I wonder if he's gonna die. What does like what what I had to write it down. What does scratch moded mean? Scratch moded. That's what he says afterwards. He says? Yeah, he's like faced because <sighs> you hear him breathing though. <sighs> with that really bad soul patch that's hanging down below his oh, chin, yeah, that, that soul and he's patch like sucks. scratch moded. And I was like, somebody at the table has. I think to that's know like that X, X Games some, skater talk. I like it that Katie and both Dave are click click clicking away. Please come up with something because I don't know what that means. Also, who wouldn't invite a friend over with a bag of weed like that? Yeah. He pulls out a fucking like ounce yeah. like a pound of weed the uh the uh the according to reddit it's when someone has proven wrong when someone has been proven wrong or thoroughly insulted scratch moded 
But it's literally only from Cabin Fever. Yeah. It's the only time oh, it's ever been used. That's cool. So he made up his own little like catchphrase. We should make him back. slang. God, if I ever meet him, I'm going to have him sign that. That's awesome. You write scratch moded on my copy of Cabin Fever. <laughs> Faced. Faced. Scratch moded. Yeah. Yeah, and I, lo- I love Doctor Mambo. He's he's he, you don't get to meet him very much because later on there's a whole story with the dogs. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, this is I, I love that goddamn dog. Before we get too far, I don't want to skip over the uh, titular pegging scene where they're having sex. Oh, yeah. And yeah. He, like, she just like flips him over, and he's like, "Oh yes." <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Which, I just I, I was just, like, "Is this the first mainstream movie to feature pegging in it?" <laughs> well, and that's that's great you brought that up because here you you're you're sitting up by these characters, and they're I don't know if like. Where they are, like mentally, and obviously they're in college. But she, I love that scene. She's like, "Don't go to college." And she's yelling <laughs> at those little kids before they take off to the cabin. But um, you know, and they're all using these these awful terms to describe anybody that's not you know. Well, I mean, yeah. Right. Bert even says like, "I'm going to go shoot the squirrels." Why? Because uh, he says he says because they're gay, and and he's he's like he's like. They're like, man, that's messed up. And he's like, well, I'd shoot him even if they weren't gay. Right. <laughs> so it, I, it's, it's, I like it because you're trying to figure out like where these people are on the level. And then you're like, well, they're all just douchebags. And then he's getting pegged, and he's like yeah. loving it. And he's he's like, just loving it. Four and you're stars. Like, man, this guy is like. <laughs> and in 2002, not necessarily something you saw all the time. Hey, yeah, I was, yeah. If I was probably 18, I was like, man, that's something. Uh, it's guys, probably, it's probably. I was the, probably like, hmm. That's what they do in the city, huh? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, was, in Lancaster, Kentucky, nobody was talking about this. <laughs> Thanks for bringing up the pegging scene. Oh, yeah, yeah, sorry. <laughs> Where were we? Let's get... Let's... I don't know, man. Let's... I had story time around the fire, yeah, meeting yeah. Grimm and Mambo. Uh, back to the cabin. And then I've got number four, back to the cabin. The hermit returns. And they kick his ass in the truck. They ha- they handled this the complete <laughs> wrong way. You, uh, you couldn't have handled this any worse. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. Before we get there, why does, his, why does he get an English accent all of a sudden? Hey, <laughs> hey, you shot me. I guess maybe it's Australian. Yeah, because... Right? Yeah, because Bert had shot him earlier because he thought he was a gopher. So he turns Australian. Yes. Okay. He's Carry lost on. a lot of blood at this point. I think he's he, he's very sick from the from the fever. I guess he lose some skin and you'd be going, "Hey, you shot me." They set his ass on fire. <laughs> like, yeah. They like, were trying to be nice. He wouldn't leave. It's time to gas the motherfucker. It's the worst way to handle this. Like even post pandemic. You just set somebody on fire. Be like, oh shit! Could you imagine if people were this 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 crazy during COVID? Like you go out and cough, and somebody just throw a Molotov cocktail at your ass. Like just are spraying you in the face with like bug spray. Oh man, it I was, love it. I it love was it. it was the the uh, perfect storm of bad decisions. Yeah, and they just beat the living crap out of their own truck just to get him out. And why was the the I would first, I would have never left that truck unlocked, but I guess I guess they had the top down, but it's like just. There's no no good decisions are made. Like this is a movie where it's kind of like you're already like the movie wasn't at a zero. It was kind of maybe like a three, but they just go like all the way to ten, like right at this moment. And you're like, holy shit! Yeah, I love that though. I love that they. It's time to crank it up. Yeah, it's time to get this damn this, this as this episode we're talking about. It's oh, time it, to get the movie cranked up. It it really does because this is this is this is the point where, getting gross. Where, where it starts kicking off and uh, yeah yeah the the. Uh, the next scene, particular. Oh well, no, we got a few scenes before that. The What's let's it? split up scene. Let's split up. <laughs> yeah, we have this. Let's split up because, like, okay, <laughs> doesn't make any fucking sense. Let's split up. So, like, that's a good idea when during a fucking not a yeah. pan- I almost oh. said pandemic. See where our brain is. <laughs> well, they don't know anybody sick other than the poor guy they let on fire, and he's been taken care of. Yeah. <laughs> they, they no hope. more problems. They just got to figure cured. out a way to. <laughs> 
get the car fixed. They got to figure out a way to get all the blood off. They've got to figure out a way to get out of town. Yeah. So Bert and Jeff go one way. Yes. Serena Vincent's. I don't know why I keep calling her Serena Vincent, but she goes off another. I mean, that's her real name, but yeah. like she goes off her own way. And she's just like, I'm going to go find some help while you guys are fucking around. So she goes her way, and then Ryder. I don't know why I keep calling by uh, their real name. Paul. <laughs> yeah. Paul. Sean. Paul. <laughs> Sean. Paul and Karen stay back because Karen's not feeling very well. No, she's she's feeling a little. She's you know, under the weather. Under the weather. So fucking Marcy goes and gets a boat. <laughs> yeah, and and the and the two goons go off and they find uh, there's a woman slaughtering a pig. Yeah, a woman slaughtering a pig, and she's very upset. Yeah, she's. If you've seen the pig, and that's just it. We don't know where the this came from. So how far is it spread? How, where is it going around? Is this pig infected? Because as soon as I saw this scene, I was like, oh, she's fucked too now. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. she's splitting up this pig, and it's just orange and yellow, and it's not you know that's can't not blood. can't eat the meat. Yeah, can't eat the meat. She was very <laughs> upset you about eat this. this. And then she, yeah, then she's like, you know, she knows the hermit guy. And they're like, this crazy guy was like beating. Yeah, we took care of him. And she's like, oh, old, what's his name? Or like, yeah. And they're like, oh, couldn't, oh, be, couldn't uh, be him. Yeah. Uh, they see the picture on the table. They're like, uh, we got to go. <laughs> yeah. She's trying to help him. They had, there's a chance there to be helped. And they're make this, this film is like constant bad decisions. Yeah. And, and just, just around the corner, hope is right around the corner. And they just keep fucking it up. Yeah. I mentioned that earlier when we were talking how it has the same kind of thing in Hostel where it's like these group of people are out of their element, they're in this town, and every time they try to try to go get help from someone, either they fuck it up or it's like you actually they just fuck it up all the time. Like they're their own worst enemy, but like it's like everybody in the town is against them and no matter how how many times they try to like help themselves, like they just something gets messed up and they can't get out of the situation they're in. Which I think is the truly terrifying thing is where you're like in a world where everyone's against you and there's nothing you can do about it. <laughs> and you are actually helping them hate you. Yeah. Like does that make sense? Like no matter no matter how more I the more I'm talking, the more I'm putting myself in a hole. Yeah. And that keeps happening. And that's terrifying. There's so many elements of this film that I love and that I was just like it just ups the, the tension and the terrors. Like, well, you're not gonna be able to go back to that house. And yeah. it, it keeps happening throughout the whole film. Yeah. Uh, and when I when I meant by the uh, the Texas Texas Chainsaw Massacre uh homage scene is when she comes out of the canoe Walks up no. on the uh, on the on the island and goes towards it's the a, house. That is an exact homage to the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. I love that. When shot for shot, it's the exact same shot yeah, from like there the are butt a few, shot. There are a few uh, other shots in this in this film too. Oh yeah, I think oh. we'll get to a few of those. So, oh look at that, We're Deputy Winston. It's time to meet Winston, <laughs> Party Man. I wouldn't trust this motherfucker. I'd ask him for his badge number and call it in. Like, who is this guy? He looks like he's twelve. He can't even grow a real mustache. <laughs> yeah, dude. As somebody with a mustache, I can say that uh, that guy's mustache is very untrustworthy. He start, he's very much like, what's the, I, I made a note for this because I had to, because I was like, every time I saw this movie, I thought of uh, Sergeant Tyranny from Friday the 13th Part 1 and 2. Yeah. And he's also a cop in House 1 and 2. But it's this, you know, like where he shows up at Friday the 13th, the, the camp. Uh, and he's Mr. Serious, yeah. but he's a jerk, and he's on a motorbike, and then here Winston is a complete douchebag on a little bicycle with a helmet. It's yeah. great. Yeah, and he's just, he's just like- <laughs> That can't like, be a coincidence. You guys partying? Oh, God. God. Go back in. Don't worry. You can go back in there and party. He tries to be serious, <laughs> and party, he says man. party 15 times. I looked yeah. it up. Yeah. <laughs> I think it, like he, it, does, does it, it doesn't show him riding the bike. Like You see him, and at the end, he's like, okay, and he like- <laughs> 
hops on that bicycle and you're just like, holy it's shit. It's like he, he he talks like an undercover cop that just doesn't realize he's still in his fucking uniform. Yeah. Like, hey, you kids want to party? Yeah, dude. <laughs> I think your body cam is still on, douchebag. Yeah. Well, yeah, he's he's trying to be the cop from Friday the 13th, but then he rides off like Ralph from Friday the 13th. <laughs> with his little horn. It's great. What, God, like I said, he says party 15 times. He becomes such a creep. Like, it, later yeah. on, oh my! It's like I keep wanting to go to these great scenes, but they're like further <laughs> in the film. But I remember when, because uh, when he's like, "Oh, you guys are at your party, right?" Right? And then Jordan Ladd comes out and he's like, "Hey, man, don't worry about it. Just go back inside, drink a big forty, big drink, yeah. drink, drink a big forty, party, yeah, party, party hard, just party, just keep partying." Yeah. It's like I don't trust this dude. Now I'm really freaked out. You know how to get a hold of me? And he's like, 911, You got it, man." Yeah, <laughs> I was like what? <laughs> Dude, I, I love this guy. They just found this dude. I can't. I don't know how. Uh, I think this is one of his only few acting uh, roles. I think he, he was in Detroit Rock City, right? Too was he? I think he might have been. I don't know. Somebody needs to look that he up. He was a. Uh, he tried out for a different role in the movie, and they were like, "You're not right for this role, but like you auditioned so well that uh, we'll put you in another role. Like right. you're too. Like you're too. Like you know, uh, just." There's something about you that is good that we want in this, and just weren't. I think it may have been for like Ryder Strong's role or something like that, and they, right? You know, but he's yeah, he wasn't Detroit Rock man. City, yeah, so, okay, yeah. So, he's, so been, him, he's been in Never Been Kissed and Detroit Rock City and if she, Pleasantville. He was in Pleasantville, was he? Yeah, I haven't seen that. Giuseppe Andrews, man, I love that dude. He needs to be in more things, but I really haven't seen him in much. Well, it looks like he apparently learned how to grow a mustache. <laughs> Dave's looking him up online. I don't know. For a guy named Giuseppe, that mustache pretty much goes perfect. Hey, man, I'm going to have a truck out here tomorrow, man, I promise. And never. Doesn't, doesn't make it lift a finger. Yeah. Well, so it's a pretty accurate representation of police. <laughs> it just doesn't do anything. <laughs> so the next thing is they decide to clean the truck. Yeah. Yeah. With what? They're all fucked. Yeah, like uh, this. What do you for, like? You're at this cabin. What are you going to clean the truck with? Where like, did they get a toilet so this paper? Cabin has a garden hose, <laughs> some rubber gloves, and like a, a freaking nozzle. Like, what are the? Who is out there watering yeah. plants? Yeah, and washing cars. Nobody, That's all you need apparently. this stuff for. They just happen to have this in the truck. I guess I'm just being a prick. <laughs> It just moves the story forward. Sure it does. They can't leave with the car covered in blood, Steve. That would be crazy. It would be nuts. And you know what's even better is like as he's misting all the blood all over everybody. Yeah. It's nothing. Nothing. No, everything's great. They don't know how infectious diseases work because it's two thousand two. It is twenty twenty three, and people still don't know how fucking infectious diseases yeah. work. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, we get to my favorite scene. Um, if you own the DVD. The DVD used to have really fun names for each each scene on there, if you go through the scene. And this one was called Finger Bang Misfire. Yeah. <laughs> That's what I wrote down. <laughs> and uh, I remember the first time, because like I said, I used to be a nerd. I'd go through all the DVDs, look at the special features, look at some of the scene names. And I saw that, and I was like, holy shit, this is going to be amazing. And uh, it's exactly what it sounds like. I'm sure when they pitched it to the... Uh, to the people making the DVD, <laughs> they gave them the list. They were like, what the fuck? But it <laughs> is a perfect description of what happens. Yeah, I like to see that call sheet. <laughs> yeah. 9 a.m. Finger bang misfire. Yeah, there you go. Oh, also, I put, is Paul a rapist? I think so. I'm going to need Karen and Paul on the set. Oh, wait, Katie, just grab your mic. This is where Ryder Strong 
becomes not Sean Hunter for me in this film. And it's so disappointing. Granted, I know it's 2002. And so date rape is a new concept. No. But we don't. Holy shit. We don't finger bang sleeping girls. Yes. We yes. don't. Yes. I mean, yes. Yes. Okay. I agree with you on that one. Yeah. That one's fucked up. Yeah. I can't even make jokes about this because I think it's fucked up. Well, like they set it up as like, like I thought, she's uh, telling him, like he's telling them uh, the story. She's like, uh, she's obviously this telling is earlier the story in the, early yeah. in the movie. She sets up like, oh my god, my friend and this guy, he just like totally said, oh, I'm in love with you or whatever. And he's like, well, do you think that's weird? Yeah, it's and setting she's up like, the whole discussion of, yeah. of friend zoning. Yeah, and he's which just, is a good discussion. Yeah, and she's basically trying to tell him like, I just want to be friends with you. And he's like, God, I'm so thirsty. I must have you. Like, it's just kind of sad. And then also there's all the stuff where they like make fun of him, like they don't want him to go with him in the woods because he's not tough like they are. Yeah, and uh, he's me. Yeah, it just <laughs> well without the rapist part. Yeah, but yeah, it's, <laughs> so it sets that up. Out that part, you fuckers. Jeez, <laughs> carry on, my good man. But yeah, I, yeah, this uh, she obviously doesn't want to think of him in a sexual way. But see, even like uh, DeBello's character, he's just like, yeah, but she knows she can control you and you're in love with her. It's like this whole thing. And they keep, they, they kind of keep that going. Yeah. Um, and, but then he's like, so are we dating? And then she cuts him off and there's like all these little scenes that went leading up to this part. And he's like, no, I, I gotta go. He goes to stand up to leave. And she's like, no, 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 come here. And she like pretty much forces him to cuddle on her and they kind of yeah. fall asleep. And there's a whole scene. Katie, I, so, I would love to hear so your point of view exactly? on this fucking scene. Where exactly are you going with it? She made him stay in the bed with her. Absolutely she wanted to not. cuddle. So I, I know. I, yeah, you know I, I know this. who you yeah. are. Yeah. yeah. But she really is setting him up as like, I just want to be friends. I just want to be friends. We can cuddle. You can cuddle with your friend. I think it's, a little weird. Yeah, this is what sucks. Yeah, and so maybe it is mixed messages, but still, the basics of... Motherfucker, yeah, not what I'm saying. Do not yeah, touch me. Exactly. I'm asleep. Sean Hunter would never do this. He shielded a young girl from her abusive father in his trailer for days, and he would never condone this kind of behavior. I was disappointed. Yeah, it reminds me of the scene from The Raft. Yeah. From the creep show too. Oh, yeah. Oh, okay. Where you think the guy's a nice dude and all of a sudden she's asleep and then he's like, dude, what are you doing? You're yeah. taking off. Oh, fuck you. Yeah. And I think that this automatically makes everybody in this in this movie suck. I was like, yeah. wow, okay. So well, this is the guy I'm going to follow for the rest of the movie. And we see there are other examples further along in we this movie of how this yeah. dude is a fucking creep. Well, yeah. I mean, that's what happens when this boy meets world. <laughs> no. <laughs> so yeah, Same. the whole point is I'm trying to make is that he's a piece of shit. Yeah. 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 And she was twice as out because she's fucking dying. Right. Like, dude, what are you doing? Because uh, he uh, got done taking his fingers out of her fucking leg and uh, was like, hey, everybody, I think something's wrong. I just had I just had my, like, you know, half my fist in Karen's leg. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, it's, uh looks looks pretty gross. Looks pretty gross. And everybody's like, oh, shit. And that's when Bert comes in. He's like, oh, fuck, just out of here. Get her out. <laughs> like, get back. He's like holding his fucking luggage in front of him. Get back. <laughs> and that's a, a scene that comes up next. It's like Karen gets locked up. What would we do in these kind of situations? We lock ourselves in the house. That's what we did two, a few years ago. <laughs> a few years ago. Uh, yeah, but seriously, like <clears throat> something that's literally killing you much faster than COVID. And it's visually, like, it takes a, a, not even a day. 
but they don't know that yet. But we yeah. do. Like they're just going to fall, start falling apart. But here, like it's a virus. Like this is way before COVID, and you're and you're right. Like obviously we're we're in the middle, and we know we think we know what we're doing, but people still got it. Still, you panic and set the a homeless level, man on fire. The intensity level is way higher. <laughs> yeah, it is. It is because they keep turning it up higher. This fucking Bert is on coke or something. I don't know. He what's, must have got some coke from that guy at the store. He drank what, some of that fox piss. Once I saw the skin, if I saw somebody's skin and it's starting to look like that in that shorter period of time, I would just start walking. Like I would just, I'd be like, I'm walking to town. Y'all stay here. Yeah, we'll. I'll get somebody and try not to be an asshole in exactly. the in the process. <laughs> we are locked basically in the woods, and we have a cabin. We have a shed. We have a crazy dog, by the way. We haven't talked about that. Oh, he comes yeah. back. Dr. Mambo comes back, and he's lost his shit. It is Dr. Mambo, yeah. correct? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it is. Okay, that's what I thought. Uh, um, and Because I always forget that the other dog is dead at the very beginning of the movie. But uh, So what do we do? Um, like I know you said, like, oh, we lock ourselves up like during COVID, but that's just different. You can't lock yourselves yeah. up during COVID because you might get it. They don't know it's from water. They don't know where it's coming from. They don't know it's from licking somebody's you know flaps. <laughs> I think this movie, it does a, it does a good job of like letting you know like it covers all of its bases on why this person shouldn't leave here or why we can't stay here or why the truck doesn't work or like it covers all the bases like you can't just be like I just said like well I would just start walking away and you're like oh yeah that fucking that dog's running around out there that's, that's gonna get you and like, I was like it's not well maybe I wouldn't then. it's not easy <laughs> and there's only one rifle yeah so I don't know what would we, what would if there's four if there's four of us in this room. And then Katie comes down sick. Oh, here we go. She's got ideas. You get one person to take the rifle to leave and go get help because then they have the rifle. They can kill the dog, which, you know, normally I do not condone at all. But in this instance, Dr. Mambo has to die. But everybody else, actually, Bert does kind of make sense in just this one scene where he's like, Karen needs to get the fuck away from us. Yeah. And yeah, that's probably a good call. Would I lock her in a shed? Maybe not. I'll just drag this mattress out here and just <laughs> lay you in a shed. Yeah, maybe just like her own bedroom. But no, then the others stay there. One or maybe two people go for help. And and that's it. That solves it. Right. And there's something we didn't bring up, which is um, towards the beginning of the movie, <clears throat> Two of the characters are like, well, neither one of us, no, we're not going to drink beer. We're not going to drink water for the rest of the weekend. Now, if they had stuck to that, that would have been great. Yeah. But see, Karen wasn't a part of that, so she's drinking water the whole time. Yes. Right. Many scenes of her just like, he's like, here, have some water. Have some water. Have Shut some water. water. And and there is water. a scene <laughs> of when uh, the hermit is rotting in the reservoir. So that's how we know that the water is infected. These little parts that we kind of glossed over, we didn't even talk about them. So they're, when they're here, and like Marcy made, you know, Marcy made, uh, what did she make, like stew or something? I can't remember. Maybe. Oh, she made chili. That's it. I was going to say goulash. And she's, hey, like, she's like, I'll wash the bowls out. Don't worry. You know? Right. So we don't know. Where does my where does my brain going at this point? Like, yeah. am I am I burnt? Like, fuck all you guys, or am I Jeff later on? Like, no, everybody has to go fuck. Stay yeah. away from me. I don't care who. It's too late, or is it too late? It's it it's absolutely at that time. At that point, it's already too late. But they, we don't know that, well, and they, it drives me crazy because I try to put myself in the characters when I'm watching them. I'm like, I don't know. I think I just shoot everybody. I have a rifle. <laughs> <laughs> Well, they do make a decision. I love you, they do what? They do make a decision because Karen gets way sicker. And then the car starts. All right. Yeah, we're going to definitely get to that part. It's called uh, ca- The Car is Fixed. 
Yeah. <laughs> but before that, <laughs> that's number nine. But number eight, it, it, it finishes up with Paul is a peeping Tom. Paul still sucks. He's trying to go find more help. Yeah. Right or strong as Paul. Yeah. And he just stops. He's like, oh, shit, titties. Yeah. <sighs> and that's where you get the uh, the psycho homage, yeah. homage there, where he's like looking as the close-up on his eyes. And honestly, the first time I watched this, I was like, why is this scene even in here? Like, what does this have to do with anything? And it just, it's still, now as an adult, you're like, well, it's still setting up that, oh, like, this guy could have helped him, but because he's a peeping Tom, he's like, get away from me. Don't you look at my wife. And I was like, oh, your wife? I thought that was your daughter. You're much too old to be married to this person. She's way <laughs> too hot for this fucking guy, but hey, whatever. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, he's up. He's trying to find help. He walks up to this home, and there's a, a naked woman on the bed, and he's kind of leering at her. I'm like, I would probably stutter a little bit, too, And it, but he gets caught. And then yeah. he's fucked. And then this one guy who probably has a phone, obviously, he got candles. I know that. Yeah. <laughs> he could have helped him. They're trying to have a romantic night, and this fucking writer strong is like this little creep with a butt cut, like staring in your window, like, Ugh. Did he catch him beforehand? Because he just shows up with a rifle. He's ready to go. Yeah. yeah, he, yeah he, 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 he saw it from inside. Yeah. Definitely. But Paul sucks. Paul does suck. He does suck. Sorry, Katie. I was wrong. <laughs> I told you, don't worry. There's other stuff. There's more evidence that Paul sucks. Just you wait. Number nine, car is fixed. Yay. <laughs> well, you know, that's when you uh that's that's when they're like, Oh my god, we can get out of here. Yeah, Let's... I've got down uh Bert throws up blood, doesn't tell anybody. Karen bleeds all over everybody. Jeff leaves, Bert leaves to head to the store. I definitely wouldn't have that's put, all summed up. I definitely wouldn't have put Karen in the car. Yeah. yeah. I'd have been like, sorry, Karen. When they go to pick her up, she is like the blanket is full of blood. And no, I love I love you, Katie. No, <laughs> no, <laughs> and just leave you. Have to leave you in that bedroom. Yeah, yeah. I wouldn't have to worry about that. Rachel doesn't go out outdoors, so <laughs> I, mean, I, could just, I could just leave the house <laughs> and just lock the door. <laughs> I mean, you put yourself in that position. Like if you saw me carrying Ace or Katie, and you're like, uh, I'm I'm not getting in that fucking Jeep, guys. Yeah, probably Be on not. A You'd be like Googling, like, my skin is rotting off. <laughs> what do I do? Like, and that's what I like is this is before. They, they, they're out in the mountains. Even if they had cell phones, they're, 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 they can't use them to oh. look up what the fuck could possibly be happening. Yeah. Really, in, like, 2002, I think, two, that was the first time I ever got a cell phone was in right. 2002. So Spoiled brat. Very, I, think I, still had a, I was the last one to get it. No, I was the last one of my friends to get a cell phone in 2002. I think oh, I still wow. had a pager. I don't know. <laughs> oh, my God. I had like, the Nokia phone, and I guarantee that Nokia. It would have got a signal out there. You could, I would have dropped it in the lake that the, I would have dropped it in the reservoir that the thing still would have worked. Well, it's analog. A, 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 T, 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 T. Just try to type out, hello, Steve. Yeah, but fucking Bert. I'm dying. Bert takes off. He's like, fuck all y'all, I'm going. Well, uh, Jeff does. Jeff Jeff gets gets a, gets a fucking thing of beer. He's like, no, y'all keep fucking touching her. And then he stops. He stops Marcy. He's like, he, he goes off in the woods. He's got a he's got a six pack and he's, a rag and he's gone. He's, he's being smart. an asshole, but yeah, he's, he's the he has the right idea. And then Bert's just like, well, fuck it. The truck's going. You guys want to listen to you? Fuck you guys. But he's also, nobody knows, he's starting to rot. Yeah, he's sick. He was he's spitting up blood. And they even said like, hey, you don't look good. Yeah, I don't feel so hot. And he doesn't gone. look good there. Like they obviously did some makeup on him, and you're like, "Oh shit, he does not look good." He does not. That was a quick turn, dude. It was like he they shows him drinking the water, and then like literally like the next morning, he's already like skin rotten, coughing up blood. Like, yeah, that's the fastest. Like it's like what six hours later, maybe, and they're. He's if like, that, because we really don't know what, what, what time of day it's it nighttime, is. Nighttime, then it's daytime, yeah. and yeah, he's already, yeah, he's already dying. 
In the next scene, I've got sex with friends. Yeah, because Karen's getting sicker, Bert's sick, everyone's pissed off and leaving, and you know what Paul thinks? Now's the time to fuck. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, you know, I think they missed an opportunity for his dick to fall off. I mean, technically... What is it? She so, she's just like she does the whole like falling out of an airplane scene, right? Yeah. And this and now it's time to get going. It's supposed to set up how trauma bonds people, according to what are your Eli what's your Roth. opinions on this scene, Ace? I the, well, watch it. First time I watched it, I was like, why the why are these people having sex right now? Like, what's wrong with you? And like you're watching it again, and like I listened to his commentary, and he was explaining Eli how Roth's, yeah. Eli Roth's. Yeah. And he was like, earlier in the movie, they're around the campfire, and he's telling the story about the bowling alley. And he's talking about, he's like, well, you know, trauma bonds people. And like one of them say, like, only if the trauma happens to you. So that's what sets that up later on. So the two of them are gone through trauma, and now they're both, like, have this romance for each other it's all like, of a sudden. We're going we're gonna to bang, and so they're going to wash my dick off of Listerine. It's kind of like how the guy in- I love uh, that part. It's kind of like how the guy in the Green uh, Green Inferno, the Eli Roth movie, how he just starts jerking off in the jungle, and he's like, this is a way to relieve stress. <laughs> I do it take a nap, but hey, whatever. It never works. <laughs> yeah, man. Uh, Spoiler this, alert. This, yeah, it, it does come out of nowhere. This one is consensual, though. Yeah, she's like, I'm, I, she, she, she lays him down, rides him. He looks like he's not having a blast, by the way, which is, you know. Which is weird for pervert uh, Paul, but whatever. Yeah. Well, we didn't see his dick. Maybe some skin came off. Oh. <laughs> Put the yeah. listerine. On. I love how he runs his hands across her back, and that comes into play later on. And she's like, "I'm healthy," and he's like, "Okay." And then they get done. He runs into the bathroom and does the whole listerine on the dick thing. And I don't know if I've, I've never put listerine on any part of my body besides my mouth. I don't know if it burns, but he's like, "Ah." He's probably so, got an open wound on there now. Yeah. <laughs> oh God. Oh, God, no. And I'd like to talk about Serena Vincent and her, her policy on nudity in this film. Is it you all? Have you all read yeah. any of those things? Yeah, yeah. It's interesting, and I like it because originally, from what I read, she didn't want to do a bunch of nudity in this film because she had just did what you talked about. Yeah, uh, she was TV. basically naked the entire movie, That's her like every scene. In the, so she was like, I can't do this again. Right, and she didn't want to. Understandable. So, so they had a rule. Her and Eli Roth apparently got into a heated conversation on set because this was it was one of those agreements in her contract, and then they get to the scene and it wasn't it wasn't going to happen and she, and he was like okay so i'll we'll show one inch of your ass and yeah. he apparently actually got out of rule there i mean <laughs> yeah. to be either maybe he was being a prick or he was actually being very specific he'd be like this is what we'll do and they literally um, um measured out an inch on her butt crack and then taped that blanket across her yeah but later in the in, later on, there's two more scenes in the film where you can see her breasts and those were her decisions yeah i think and she they said- didn't even call for it I think she said it was uh, more realistic. More realistic, like like a woman wouldn't be uh, like shaving her legs, just like completely like wrapped up in a towel or something in the bathtub yeah. or something. She's like, oh, this is not how I would do it. I also, like, like oh. it because she has more control. She felt maybe more control over the scene. She's like, now I'm consenting. You know, this is yeah. What, what's your opinion on this whole nudity thing, Katie? I mean, obviously, I think it should always be the actor or the actress's decision, and the fact that he Eli Roth did say like yeah that's fine we can do it this way that probably gave her that comfort and that feeling of control to then be like okay well now I now I will show my breast because I I'm making that choice and I think in not another teen movie it was just gratuitous boobs oh, yeah. Yeah. the whole time and it really like yes it was the character but 
it didn't really add anything to yeah. all the ways see her yeah. boobs. It's it's like making fun of those movies at That's the time. That's what you think. Yeah. It's parody. <laughs> yeah. I understand. Uh, I, just, I wanted your I wanted your your perception on that. Your perspective. Why, thank you. Yeah, it's good to have a little estrogen on the podcast. I agree. <laughs> Indeed. <laughs> Indeed. Uh, so after we have done, so we have the sex with friends scene. And uh, now it's back to the store. Pancakes. Oh man, what Fuck don't you do? <laughs> Go sit by Dennis. But this time he didn't sit by Dennis. Dennis was just like pancakes. They got a sign now. <laughs> pancakes. They did have a sign. They had a sign about finally because that was a, they they mentioned that we didn't we didn't talk about that. It was like maybe you should have a sign. Yeah. And they did put a sign behind him and. They- he still gets up, starts doing karate, Dude, <laughs> like slow mo. I want to know, Taekwondo, like, technically, like when they were writing this, because like apparently it was sort of ad lib. The pancakes that thing kid was just knew how to do that, and he was like, "We got to put this in the movie." Yeah, we got to put this in the movie. Hey, do you want to kung fu some shit across the across the parking lot and bite this dude? Yeah, <laughs> it's like there's a. I think one of the features on there has him just doing like. Yeah, yeah. Taekwondo. Matthew like Helms is and, a black belt in Taekwondo. Yeah. Yeah. And they cut his hair like that, too. He didn't have his, his hair wasn't like that. He they just cut it. He didn't look. have the John Michael Thor. <laughs> oh, yeah. my God. It's like, so you're saying you just cut your hair all white trashy like that? <laughs> he has he has like the Bruce Dickinson mullet from 1986. Yeah. It's just these ridiculously straight <laughs> fucking bangs and this long hair everywhere else. But uh, they didn't. Yeah. Apparently he saw, uh, Eli Roth saw Matthew Helm doing Taekwondo, taekwondo uh, on the set. And he was like, we have to include that shit. So they did. And then if you look on the special features like you're talking about, there's a whole like special feature that says pan- pancakes. You hit it. Yeah. And it's the song Gay Bar. Yeah. It's the entire song. Which about this? Gay Bar! Gay Bar! It's yeah, so I fucking great. And he is doing this bow staff, because he's really good with a bow staff, uh, <laughs> fucking taekwondo fucking scenario. It's amazing. So if you, can't, if you have the disc, if you have a physical copy of Cabin Fever, please watch that goddamn thing. That kid's probably, Magic. he's like 30 years old now. It's fucking like, magic. Still like, yeah. Now he looks like John Milky Thor. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Do it Taekwondo. The father comes out, sees sees uh sees uh, uh Bert. He's like, You look sick. Yeah. And it, it it it's it's a it's a it's a very real scene because he's like it's like it's your problem if you're sick. It's my problem if my son's sick. Yeah. And if I get sick, that's another problem. And at this point Bert's like, I oh, get the fuck out of here. Cause, you know, he's like, Go fetch him. And he comes out with a fucking gun and the, the like, kit. We, we, we have to get the, get the kit. Yeah, what does the kid have I, I in can't it? I can't stop laughing because I love that scene. It's nowhere. It comes out of nowhere. Yeah. We'll need the kit. Like, they've just done this before. Like, <laughs> like his older son is this big, huge mountain of a guy. He looks so sweet, by the way. And he's just like, we'll need the kit. He just walks inside and gets this little box. It's kind of like the briefcase in Pulp Fiction, and but you... You never find out, do we? No. no, no. It's like one of those things. Like, did they have like did they did they recognize like oh shit he's sick? This has happened before. We've got a kit to take care of this. Is that what it is? I don't know. Or it's just where, it just says matches. Where in does it? the screwdriver come in? Is it in the kit? Maybe. No, he just has that. Okay, yeah. I don't remember if we ever find out what's in the kit. Maybe There's look that up for kit. us, Katie, when you get a chance. Wow. The kit just matches an old thing of gas. <laughs> some keepsakes, some old, uh, an old uh, buffalo nickel. <laughs> you know, things you keep in a box. And then we have where uh, Ryder Strong finds 
the body. This is another fucking bad decision. Like, hey, there's this body in the. Oh, I wonder if that's it. Like, look at it. It fucking flies everywhere. It's half decomposed. I gotta it poke was it. obviously on fire. <laughs> so I'm gonna go poke it, and then he falls like right on top of it. It's a straight up man thing. We gotta put our things and stuff. And if we can't do that, I'm gonna grab a stick and poke it. I told Sam, like, this is the most unrealistic part of the movie for me, where, like, all this horrible shit has already happened to you throughout the entire movie. And then you just see, like, a dead body, and you're like, well, I got to poke it. Yeah. <laughs> like, so let me it's like, it's going up. down this rickety ladder. and like, Yeah, I was going to say, let me set this scene up real quick for people who don't understand what the hell we're talking about. When, uh, when he f- comes upon this reservoir, and it's a pretty big, it obviously feeds the entire area. Yeah, through the whole mountain, yeah. and it's just nasty. It's algae and gross. And then you see this—the you know—we saw it slightly earlier, but now you get to really see he's just nothing but like bones and like bubbles and bleh, yeah. gross stuff. And then he climbs down this shitty fucking ladder, just to fall in with a stick. <laughs> with a oh, stick. yeah, he pokes it, falls in, and the body just falls to pieces. And now he's just covered in in yeah. hermit spew. Aren't Disgusting. Uh, fuck. Uh, it's making me gay just thinking about it. Yeah, I mean, but that's that was another poor decision on their part, on his part. He does make bad decisions. That, <laughs> maybe his poorest decision. <laughs> my my notes where you deserve it. Yeah, <laughs> you fucking f- fell in. So going back to the kit, it says the contents of the kit remain a mystery to this day. <laughs> I that, that my theory is it's 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 a cure for what's going on. That's what I think. They get a vaccine in there. They probably do. They've got some sort of like backwoods vaccine. Eat this mushroom. You're going to be fine. I'm all about that. You got aloe vera. (laughs) It's good. It's It's like your mom in the burn plant. Just with some scotch tape. Aloe aloe vera. Aloe vera and Robitussin. Put some Windex on it. Put some Tussin on it. Oh, God. Oh, man. So uh, then we get to some more gross stuff. Shaving the legs. Yeah, that's a really cool scene. And that, again, Uh, that's something that he said he had. Happened to him that he, he yeah this was shaving and his piece of skin fell off. This is the scene where so this movie for me this was like a word of mouth movie where everybody was talking like I think this movie got popular because of word of mouth like people would watch it and be like oh my god you got to see this movie so like everybody that told me about this movie was like just wait till you get to the leg shaving scene like everybody was like the leg shaving scene it's disgusting it's like Jaws except for leg shaving. <laughs> 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 it's like it did for shaving your legs what Jaws did for the ocean, you know. I mean, that speaks a lot to this low-budget film. It, it was only like $1.5 million. Yes. Um, yeah. They got lucky because of his connections with David Lynch, and then he got uh, uh, Angela Bad, Element- Bad Elementi, who did like Twin Peaks scores, to yeah. do like three songs, and then you've got K&B, who did all the effects for this movie. And yeah. there's not a whole lot of effects, but the ones that are like graphic, they look, good. They look fucking great. Yeah. And this scene... It was part of that, but here's the weird thing. Apparently, the appliances got frozen on the on in, on in transit to this to the film set, so they couldn't use them. So they had to do a whole new appliance, and then the only way they can make it look as good as they needed to be is to cover them in shaving cream. So that really hmm. wasn't supposed to be this way. Yeah. So I think it worked out. I think it did too. I, also, they get a they get the uh, Peter Jackson bump on this too because yeah. he was a huge fan of this movie oh, yeah. for obvious reasons. I want to talk about that at the end, like yeah. the reception of this film, like yeah. the whole bidding war and everything. You shave your legs, don't you, Katie? I do. I, <laughs> I can see a... the microphone going towards your gullet. <laughs> I'm a woman that shaves her legs, and the weirdest part. I mean, obviously, it's like the one scene, like I said, that everybody thinks about when they think of this movie. But what I found weird was like if I nick 
around my ankle when I'm shaving. Like, that shit hurts immediately. <laughs> She's just going back in and shaving just layers and layers of skin off and not reacting at all. That's because all that skin is dead. Yeah, she's, she's Her crying. legs are gone. She's crying, but not in like a holy shit, this hurts kind of way. I never I think, thought about that. Yeah. But that's also like, that could also be like psychosis. Like at this point, like she realizes she is dying. She is going to fucking die. She saw yeah, Karen. She's, yeah. she's done. She's dealing with yeah, her that, trauma. That makes sense. Yeah, but... Yeah, I, I get, if you put those together, I never thought about it. like she didn't. She's not responding, but then you're saying, yeah, it's just dead skin. She doesn't even feel it. Yeah, she's just peeling it off, and the, the sound design is just perfect. Oh, yeah, it just sounds. I don't know how to describe it. Like apparently, like, the sound guy that worked on the movie actually had like a flesh eating virus and was in intensive care for oh, yeah. like for like eleven weeks. Yeah, he or almost died, like that. and he almost died. Yeah. And his his quote about the movie was like, "Man, it looks real. That's what it looks oh, like." I, there's there was a guy I used to work with. He went on his honeymoon to like Hawaii and cut his foot, got in the ocean, came back, foot was all like, oh, my foot hurts. Found out he had a flesh-eating bacteria that got into his open wound in the ocean. Fast forward, uh, I saw a picture of it, <laughs> and you could see like it went down to the bone. Like you could see the bone on his foot. That's how bad it was. And I was like, I was just like, and it just made me think about this movie when I saw that picture. And now, we call, wow. now you like, call him Peg Leg Jeff. <laughs> I was just like, well, hey, maybe you don't get in the ocean with a cut on your foot. No, uh, that's it's so funny how we have a, a similar story. Uh, I was in Vieques uh, on vacation at the beginning of the year, and one of my coworkers was with me, and he got a cut in one of the stores. Uh, it was like a, an ice, like a, an ice maker, and he got into the ocean, and then his both of his hands just got inflamed, and it was insane, and you had to get like some stuff happened to him. I can't, I, I can't remember what it's called. I think you knew what it was called, right? Something maybe your brother it affected one of your brothers or something. Katie. Oh no, that was a my brother has an allergy that's to it. the ocean. Well, that's that's fucking stupid. Yeah. Um, sorry there, buddy. Uh, sorry, but, Michael. Yeah, I'm sorry. allergic to 75% of the earth. Back to something else, because that's just dumb. Uh, but imagine if he was allergic to pollen, yeah, too. I thought maybe that was connected, but uh, yeah, just that's crazy, man. I've never had an issue like that. I get ulcers. I mean, I that's all I'm going to think about now. If I go to anywhere near the ocean, I'm gonna be, I'll just be walking around like with like long sleeves on and gloves. Like I'm not going to scratch myself. See, and similarly to that, I think every person that shaves their legs that has seen this movie thinks about this scene every time they just cut themselves a tiny bit shaving their legs. Yeah. yeah. Appropriately, get a staph infection, lose your legs. Jesus. And then, and then Karen gets her face eaten off by by, uh, by, by Dr. Dr. Mambo. Mambo. But that is a very Evil Dead shot right there. Yeah, well, I mean, the cabin's very Evil Dead. Uh, the, the the set design. That's a real cabin, by the way, in a Boy Scout camp in North Carolina, I think. Yeah. But, uh, and they dressed it to make it look like Evil Dead and redid it. But yeah, Jesus, that whole part. That scene, because you see like the Deadite vision coming Yeah, the Sam her. Raimi thing going, yeah. I just like to think that's how my dog always looks at me. Oh, <laughs> he's just red. coming toward me. <laughs> so Doctor Mambo eats off her uh, off of uh, Karen's face and then goes after Marcy and just obliterates her because I, at this point, I guess, like you said, their skin is dead. Now it all makes sense because she's just like mush. Yeah. He just rips her apart and there's like a leg over there and a foot over there. Yeah. Also, yeah. it's a German Shepherd. Those dogs are powerful. <laughs> yeah. I think that was a real police dog they used. Okay, I want to, let's talk about the dog for a second, because the, the, the whole the second degree from Patrick Swayze thing. Yeah. Do you all know the story of that? I, I do not. Ace? The, uh, so, yeah, they originally got a dog that was in the movie Black Dog. His name is Jake. With... 
Patrick Swayze. <laughs> oh, Which yeah. if you haven't seen that movie, you got to watch it. It's Meatloaf. Amazing. Meatloaf, the truck drivers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's good. Um, <laughs> if, Meatloaf, the truck drivers. It's good. If you're uh, I love it. But uh, he was in that movie, which, you know, that was like 95 something. So this is, they're filming this in like 01. Yeah. Dogs, a little old. They've hired it basically because, you know, it's a pit I want bull. the Swayze dog. I yeah. want the, you know, it's a pit bull. The original dog is a pit bull. And it's uh, a little too old, a little too slow, a little too nice. It's so sweet. It's like they're trying to film scenes with it and it's just like <laughs> licking their face and like can't get it to be mean. So they're like, yeah. let's get another dog. If and you watch get... the deleted scenes, he's the cutest little fucker. He's oh, just yeah. wagging his tail, attacking people. <laughs> he's having the best time. Like he just, but. <laughs> He's living Not his what best you want life. on a movie, but better rabid dog. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was see that. That's the difference between like my older pit bull who passed away, and then the new one. Like the older one, you, just, you look at her and you're like, "Oh my god, this 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 animal just wants to love me." And then you kind of like you'd come in the house and she'd be like, "Oh my god, you're my best friend. Look at me, I'm a cow." And I loved her. I loved her. R.I.P. Abby. And then, yeah, that's right. And then the new one is just like he come in. He's like he still wants to be your friend. He's just very aggressive about it. Dudley. He's just like Dudley. Hey, let me show you my teeth. <laughs> Don't they look great? And he doesn't. Kill, he hadn't killed anybody yet. So <laughs> he's a good boy. He's a good boy. Hey, debatable. Anyways, uh, so. Doctor Mambo. It would so have been- they, yeah, they ended up getting a different dog for Doctor Mambo, and that is the uh, the vicious. They actually could not even see, sh- uh, shoot scenes with actors in the scene. Yeah, they could not. That's, That's why, why they, you notice that you don't. You see have that. the dog vision, and you see the dog running. You see him running, but they're never in the same scene because they could not film them together because the dog was so vicious. They went from fucking one side of the spectrum yeah. to the other side. Yeah, I guess it was a police dog. Yeah, yeah there was a there was a scene in the uh, behind the scenes where the trainers in there. And he's got like the giant big thing on his arm or whatever, and like the dog attacks that and goes to the ground, and they like they're like, okay, cut, and they're like, are you okay? <laughs> the look on Eli Roth's yeah. face when he says cut, he's just like, uh, <laughs> yeah. holy shit, and he's like, I'm good. Yeah, Some people don't understand those those, those hundred and twenty to hundred and fifty pound dogs. They're still fucking animals. Oh my god! If they want to fuck you up, they will. But enough about Doctor Mambo. Yeah, he's the the poor little doggy, you know. He has to they don't show it, which is nice. They have to kill the dog. You hear the gunshot or whatever. Yes. Um and I'm glad they did that off screen um uh, because we saw that big Philly like uh, and that's the thing is they I think they they did the animal deaths in this film with a lot of respect. When you first see the first dog that's actually starts the whole movie, it looks like a big teddy bear. It's not yeah. like yeah. very realistic. It's kind of like kind of puffy but realistic when it comes to like maybe being diseased and then you see this dog and they don't they the death is off off screen i appreciate that yeah what are you talking about <laughs> the first dog that we see dead in like the first five minutes of the movie it does look really bad. entire insides but are he doesn't missing. look real he's got a point it doesn't look it real. doesn't but still like i made a note this movie is no friend of the animals <laughs> <laughs> this movie's no friend i like of it call me out it's fine I just, uh, from my perspective, I never it's thought no Dr. about. Doctor Doolittle, uh, <laughs> and I never thought they were being disrespectful or making people making me uh, like emotionally like, oh fuck, I can't believe they just they. It's not like Halloween one where you see the dog go limp. That's all I was trying to say, Katie. Damn. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Enough about enough about these dogs. Let's move on to the rednecks attacking because that's what's happening. Because we forgot to mention because after Bert leaves, they they get the guns, man. Boys are out. They're going to the holler. They're going to get you. <laughs> That's what. I, there's a, a lot of the actors Jesus they got. Christ. They're going to get you. 
I think that a lot of those actors they got were just from North Carolina, and I think that's why it comes across. They come, I think they come across as like actual, like more realistic than say like a Rob Zombie redneck, where they're just like Rob Zombie's from Massachusetts, and he's like, "This is how I think rednecks are," and they're just like, "Fuck, fuckity, fuck, fucking bitch." You know? I'm <laughs> yeah, so glad like, you brought that up. I made a note about this. So in this film, there are just as many f bombs as in any Rob Zombie film, but mm-hmm. we don't seem to talk about. It. Nobody really. Um, points it out in his film at all. I mean, there's a lot. I mean, it's just every sentence is fuck, 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 fuck. Is it because of the actors that are saying them, they seem more realistic, or is it because, like, I think maybe you talked about, like, their age. What What is it about, like, this movie that it's, it just kind of flows? I'm like, well, they please stop saying the F-bomb. When I hear Bill Mosley or Sherry Moon, it's just like, I'm so done with this dialogue. What is it? Because they're they're college kids, and that's how college kids speak. Yeah. And, you know, you notice, like, the uh, like the the older people, the in town people, they weren't cursing all the time, right? right. Well, the, the the old racist guy was, um, but uh, that came out of left field. But I think it's just more to the point of he wrote when he was writing, he wrote the characters as he saw like college kids or because like he was a college people. kid, exactly. Yeah. And you know, to the point like when you were saying with the uh, rednecks, what 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 they're like, like those the, those people. Are the most relatable people in the fucking movie. Yeah, they are. Yeah, where the guy's like, he's you know, he's telling him, he's like, if you make this a problem with my son, that becomes a problem, and he's right. you're just like, yes, it is. This is how I think that's a great thing to look at. It. Yeah, yeah, no, because I mean, those are real people, right? And the guy, you know, it's like the thing with like these outsiders came into our town. They're fucking everything up, spreading all that, and killed the guy that's the hermit in town that everybody knows. Yeah, he didn't go fucking Ed Harley on him, but yeah. you know. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but I mean, you know, we were they're they're close, man. They're gonna go get him. So I've got Ed's the cabin attack because Bert leads them on a long, and he's like his at this point his skin's like falling off when he puts his hands on the on that tree. It just oh, looks like yeah. hamburger. I'm like, oh, and he doesn't make a he doesn't make any kind of like respond to it like it's just coming off and it's no big deal kind of like the leg shaving thing it all kind of makes sense now it's just rotting away yeah (laughs) so this is the this is the point where everything's just like all all the all all the fruits of their labors come they're they're, what's a good way to say it they're just fucked (laughs) (laughs) yeah here's when the kit comes into play right yeah right they want the kit Give it a kid. I love it. He just holds it like it's like it's holding it like this the whole thing. time. Like, yeah, uh, they like go kick open the door. <laughs> yeah, he's just sitting in that chair with a gun. And he's just like, "Fuck they, you." They have a plan. Yeah. It doesn't work. No. no, nobody's plans work out in this movie. Yeah, yeah. Nobody. It's very comical how everybody dies in this thing too. It's like he falls. He shoots him. The guy falls back. He shoots the other guy. That guy dies. <laughs> and then the he like comes through there, and then he gives him the Dawn of the Dead screwdriver through the ear. It's very yeah, and, and I think in the commentary he actually talks about that, like the, the the blood pulling and everything. It's very Dawn of the Dead. And that actor was uh, very psyched to be getting killed with a screwdriver to the to the head. There, he said that guy was like, he was like, man, the guy was so great. He was so happy to be in the movie. And when I told him, he's like, I'm going to kill you with a screwdriver in the ear. He was like. Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> that's the kind of that's the kind of actor you want. Well, that's just <laughs> that's it. Right, his strong is taken off on it with, with uh, uh, takes off with the truck. Yeah, he does. He goes back to goes back to town, right? And then uh, meets up with a uh, deputy party boy. Deputy party boy. They're partying. <laughs> So, Ryder Strong is the only person that we know is left because people haven't even seen Jeff since he took off. Yeah. No, he's fucking drunk in a cave somewhere. 
<laughs> Lucky him. He's Turn done nothing but drink beer for two days. That like that's that's a bad hangover. Oh yeah, yeah. He's, sleep, <laughs> he's sleeping it off. You want to have a skin eating disease or the worst hangover of your life? <laughs> <laughs> so Ryder Strong is taken off, and then we get this amazing, beautiful, well done deer scene. <laughs> yeah, just the legs through the front. Yeah, he hits this fucking deer head on. Everything you think he's gonna make it, and then nope, it's time to have the most ridiculous looking like Tommy Boy scene with these <laughs> legs coming through the thing, and he's just kicking, shooting blood all over him just to cover him from head to toe. It's very Evil Dead to me. Oh, absolutely. And that, I think that's when he realizes like it's it's over. He's done. There's nothing he can do. He's infected. Right. And we missed the whole point is that he uh, actually finds Grimm in the cave. Oh, yeah. He's Grimm. Yeah, he goes looking for Grimm, walks in the cave. He's in there cut in half, which uh, is a great, it's such a simple effect. And I think it's great because it's basically just Eli Roth and he's buried halfway in the ground and he's got the guts coming out. It's super cheap, super effective, but it looks so good on film. Like I just like stuff like that. I love in movies, like just simple stuff. Like I'm sure, like in the remake, they probably put a CGI body with like green. He had like green pants on, and like <laughs> just and like they just like ruined it. But like in this one, bury him halfway through the ground. Guts coming out. He's got the ears. Got the worms going in the ear, like in Star Trek too. Yeah, and Good the uh, and the cave they find him in is like is the cave that's in so many fucking movies. It's in Batman. It's in yeah. the craft. It's in. I mean, I think I looked it up online, and there are like thirty to forty just movies and then television shows. It's the Hollywood Cave. It's in Bronson County, I think, or something like that. Maybe it's called the Bronson Cave because um, I'm thinking of Charles Bronson, but I, it's not it. <laughs> when are you not thinking of Charles Bronson? Like, this is a when cave, Patty. <laughs> <laughs> Damn. <laughs> Enough about Charlie Bronson. <laughs> Deputy party boy. He finds the party, and he's covered in blood. And he's like, damn, man, what happened to you? Yeah, and then <laughs> he, he gets the he gets the call, like, hey, we got these people. They're infected. And here he is, just standing in front of him, just covered in, like, blood and guts and gore. And he's like, oh, shit. And he's like, you got to shoot him. You got to yeah. kill him. He's like, I can't. He's like, I left a gun in the car. I love my, yeah, he's, like, he's so bumbling around, and he's drinking him with the underage party goers, which yeah, only like, two of them look underage. He's like the cop. It looks like the world's worst party. These two, like, fucking hippie dudes are, like, playing, like, awful music. Yeah. And then it's very, the like, guy, the howling. Like, he's got, like, the harmonica. Yeah. Like, you're like, this is the point at the party where, like, the guy pulls out the guitar, and you're like... Oh, so I guess it's over. We're all going home now. Like, <laughs> like you're going to start playing guitar at this? So, like, yeah, the party's winding down, and then the bloody guy shows up. The bloody guy shows up, and they're like, they're try they try to attack him, and it's great because you've got the guy who's with the guitar who tries to hit Ryder Strong, misses him, hits his best friend who's playing a harmonica. The harmonica somehow slides down sideways into his <laughs> fucking throat, and he's just fucking. <laughs> It's great. I love this scene so much. Yeah. I don't know how the mechanics of a harmonica going down that way works. Suspension of disbelief. Goes down long ways, turns around. I mean, it's got it's, it's like something out of a fucking Looney Tunes cartoon. I love it. I love it. Well, at this point, if you're if you're de- this deep in the movie, it's you're on you're along for the ride as they say. Fucking game on. Yeah. I think they just needed like I think at this point in the movie, like, there's been some comedy throughout it where you've been laughing, but I think at this point they were like, 
man, we got to have something to kind of break up. It's been real dark here for the last like 20 minutes of the movie. We need something to kind of be like, hey, it's okay. We're going to make you laugh here real quick. The whole last bit of this movie is just fucking hilarious because what's it? Paul, Paul, Paul passes out and then they're like, oh, I got to give it to a doctor. And then you fucking find Jeff. <laughs> back at the back at the cabin, and he comes in, man, and it's 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 a great setup. It's, it's beautifully set up because you think he's visibly upset, but he's just fucking happy because <laughs> he he lives and he made it, and he walks outside and gets shot immediately. Yeah, he is he is more happy because you keep he keeps saying the dialogue, but it, it's a great way to see that he's like they're all dead, they're all dead, and I made it. I made. You realize he's not like celebrating. He's celebrating that they're dead and he's alive. Yeah. He doesn't give a fuck about his friends. Yeah. Even his girlfriend. No, he doesn't care about any of them. Why? Everybody in this movie sucks. Well, she cheated on him, so. (laughs) He doesn't know that. (laughs) Maybe they had an open relationship, Ace. Jesus Christ. Dr. Mambo. They might have. I don't know. (laughs) Dr. Mambo. They seem to be pretty cool with most things. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, that's what I had. It's like, Jeff is more happy about being alive than his friends are being dead. And when the cops blow him away, I cheered. (laughs) <laughs> uh, I was just like, oh, god damn it. He walks out of the cab and he's like, I made it! I made it! And it's just a hail of bullets from the whole, like, six people police force. And yeah. he just goes down in a hail of bullets. But it's even, beautiful. but even the, and then, and then we get, you know, to the end. And uh, so this is when the whole end of the movie comes full circle. Yes. Or the beginning of the movie comes full circle to the end. Because the cops, again, with their lemonade. As Ace pointed out, it's been yeah. a lot of day, long day killing people. Gonna need some killing lemonade. an unarmed man. I need some lemonade. <laughs> well, we see these kids go down to go go down to the creek, as they call it, and they get this huge igloo like thing container of water, and then they make lemonade and and just give it away to the cops. Well, That's yeah. got to be the worst lemonade too, because they just filled it up with like warm water. You're gonna fucking lemons or sugar? They put a thing of ice could, in it. Could Jesus. you imagine making lemonade with like? Ohio River water. That's probably what this is like. Oh. I told we were I, we watched the end of this earlier, and I said my dad worked for the health department with like wastewater stuff like that growing up when I was a kid. And he was like, "Don't drink any water. I don't care how isolated you think you are. Do not drink that water." And these kids are just like in fucking town. They're just like, "Well, filling it up." <laughs> you know, there's like some animal like taking a shit in that water like a mile up the creek, and just like, right upstream. Man, like, this is totally clean. But, Spring water. But they 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 get their they get their lemonade. <laughs> so Ryder Strong ends up in the hospital. He starts hallucinating. He starts thinking about like the uh, the 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 bowling alley scene. He's he's thinking, big like, rabbit. Yeah, everything's like really weird. He's like he, yeah, he's hallucinating and like the colors are different. So where do we go from here? We're at the ending. Hallucinating. So, and the I cops, love this. I love the, the part where the cop him. walks in. Yeah, I like that. I like the guy that plays like the sheriff of that. I think is great. Like he walks in. And he has like the notepad and he's just like start from the beginning <laughs> and you're like because you imagine like yeah this is like imagine trying to explain what happened in the last two days to somebody we set a homeless man on fire <laughs> like, <laughs> explaining like we accidentally set this guy on fire my buddy wanted to go squirrel hunting and it's set in course this course of events that i'm going to explain to you <laughs> right and and here's the thing he's questioning uh the character and he has no idea because no one knows where this started yeah it, that just it's only it, it's come to your life because of this kid but it's already out there yeah it's like everybody it's like every actor and the every main character in this movie is like an unreliable narrator because they only know their version of events and like really because he only he thinks Ryder strong's character thinks well it's all started this crazy guy just showed up at the cabin and then the other guy's like 
oh, God, I shot this guy, and then, like, he showed up over here, and these other people, you know, like, everybody has a different story about what's right. going on, and nobody actually really knows what's going on except the hermit who's dead. <laughs> right, and the cops think it's 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 the city kids. Yeah, it's they like, brought it to our town. No, you know? it's not. Yeah, it's yeah. all connected, but when we finally see them, they're like, well, I'll take care of them. And then next thing you know, you see old Winston come back. And he's driving the car, and he's got a bandage on his head because you know Ryder beat the crap out of him at the at the party. Yeah, and then Lost he's like, harmonica. "Hey, check it out! It's the party guy." <laughs> and he's in the back. He's like, "Where's where are we going?" I was like, oh, "I'll take care of you, man. I got you." Like, and the next thing you know, water. <laughs> he's fucking dead in the fucking river. And that's when yeah. the kids pick up this big old thing of you know igloo. They fill up the water. Oh yeah, and yeah. then yeah, and then they have a big jamboree. They have a big jamboree, and the cops are drinking the lemonade that the kids just made with the with the tainted water everything's fucked and then you see this huge truck just pull away what's it say spring water spring water spring water you gotta Bring get it, it to somewhere. the people it's gotta start somewhere right i love that ending and if if i'm not mistaken it's been a while since i've seen 2000 maniacs but i'm pretty sure that's how that movie ends is just with a big like everybody's dancing everybody's having a good old time you know after all these horrific events happen and i think we have to mention the turnaround for the shopkeep the shopkeep, hey, uh, he tried to bring it back. Yeah, he tried to bring it back. Tried to, <laughs> tried, it cool. tried to bring it back because uh, what an interesting joke. Yeah, in two thousand two. Old man Caldwell sitting outside with his grandkids, giving everybody <laughs> lemonade because they're tired from murdering people, uh, and uh, it goes back in. And now there is uh, three black people in his store. And he's looking at them, and then he's like, "Oh, what's up?" And he he's like, "Let me go get that gun." Yeah, he he, he looks like, "Oh, here we go." Because at the beginning of the movie, we know what he said, yeah. and now we're yeah. like, "Oh God!" Now he's terrified of the black people. Yeah, no, he was. They're his friends. Yeah, he's yeah. fine tuned the gun for him. Yeah, he fine tuned the gun for him and says the n word, and they're and, totally okay with and him they're saying okay this. with it. <laughs> and uh, it's uh, it's like, wow, that was a long time to set up that one joke. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'd be like that would be like me telling a joke at the beginning of this and then be like that's the joke. <laughs> it's like it was a ninety minute racist joke. Yeah, thank <laughs> thanks, Uncle Dave. Go back to the cemetery. That shit is not okay anymore. No, it's not. And it was never okay. It's it's interesting to see that and it's still like we have it. We're trying to progress, but even in two thousand two, yeah. this was funny. It, yeah, it's like it's like that bad thing where you're just like, Well, it's a product of its time, you know. Like yeah. but even then, like I don't even think I think back then you, he was. It's one of those things where they're just writing, and he's like, "Oh, this would be so funny later on." <laughs> but it, it's so shocking. I think when yeah, when it's just shocking. Like, oh wow, I wasn't, wasn't expecting that at all. And that was also when they were trying to get funding for this movie. A lot of people were just like, "Dude, you got to take that out." <laughs> and, they, and he was like, "No, it's staying in." Yeah, <laughs> he was like, he was real adamant about that being in there. And let's talk about it. Let's talk about the reception of this film and ended it that ended that way because this movie, as you said earlier, was a huge moneymaker, but no one wanted this script. They all wanted a scream movie. They all you know, can you write it more like scream? And even before that, he said he couldn't he couldn't get interest for the film because everyone wanted a scream like movie. Yeah. When Scream well, even, dropped, he got more interest and they were still like, Can you make it a little bit more like Scream though? Yeah. And that's what that was his whole thing, is like Originally, they wrote this in, like, 95, and, like, he was just, like, everybody was, like, horror's dead. We're not going to release anything like that. Then, yeah, like you said, Scream, and then, uh, I mean, really, it's it's crazy he even got it made in 2002 because there really weren't any other movies coming out in 2002, like, mainstream movies that were oh, like yeah. this. And this movie made worldwide almost $31 million. That's <laughs> like, huge. Yeah. It cost next he to was, nothing. He was part of this new renaissance of horror film uh, group, and they're called the Splat Pack. Yeah. 
a coin turned by the guy who uh, I think it was Alan Jones. I think is his name is. I need to find his real name, but uh, uh, but he he worked for a film magazine called Total Film, and in that group of the list that this guy made was Alexander Aja. Darren Lynn Bowsman, uh, if you don't know him, he did like the Saw sequels. He also did like Repo the Genetic Opera. Adam Green, of course. Neil Marshall, who did like Dog Soldiers and The Descent. Oh, yeah. Um, and he also just recently did the uh, the Hellboy reboot. Yeah. Um, let's see. Greg, uh, Greg McLean, who did Wolf Creek. Uh, Robert Rodriguez. James Wan. Lee Whannell, who wrote most of uh, James Wan's earlier films. And he directed, by the way, I think, which is a more, a better version of the Venom idea, is he did, he did Upgrade. Oh, like yeah. if Venom was that, if that was movie was about Venom, it'd be perfect. Um, let's see, and of course Rob Zombie. That was known. They were known as the Splat Pack. Yeah, hmm. yeah. So they were starting to make horror films. They're like, oh, okay, now these, now it's acceptable. Which it kind of like this movie like set course for that. Like all those started because you had like then he did his follow up to this hostel, and then you had like with the like, saw like I was like torture porn became a word in the ethos like Between people were saw throwing around hostile hostile like you saw had, yeah. I mean God they're still making saw movies French films were making like frontiers all this stuff was starting to come out it was like really really yeah. brutally and, and hardcore because they were they were harkening back to the seventies uh, genre yeah and I I I love that I think like um reading Quentin Tarantino's book he was talking about how the seventies were like this weird time where like studios were just letting like directors like do whatever you want make this movie and you know, like everything in the 70s was so brutal and like depressing to watch yeah and he's like that's why when you get to the 80s everything's just like popcorn and you know stuff like that Joe Bob Briggs wrote a book uh, in the in the late I want to say mid, maybe mid mid nineties, uh, and it's what he's got a whole section about like these guys who came out of nowhere, like uh, Martin Scorsese with Taxi Driver, all these yeah. like grindhouse guys who are actually starting to get more like they they were able to sell their movies to mainstream audiences because of like The Exorcist, yeah. And then you get Eli Roth, who was a teenager going to watch all these movies in theaters. He saw Alien and said he threw up in the theater. Yeah. Because <laughs> it like made him so like anxious, I guess. And like he just was like going like every weekend. I remember I was this before or after he watched Mother's Day? I think this is before <laughs> Mother's Day. This Alien was the first uh, horror film that Eli Roth had ever seen. And I'm glad we're talking about him now because we can kind of cap the end uh, that this episode going back to him and the response to the film. Um, is that he met Tarantino at the uh, the Undead uh, premiere, which is the, the Spearing film. Uh, the brothers did um, that Australian movie called The Undead. Oh yes, yeah. um, and that's where he met uh, Quentin Tarantino actually at that thing, and he could talk to him about Cabin Fever, and he was like, "Oh yeah, sure, I'll see it." And he had no idea that actually he was going to go and see it. Same with Peter Jackson. I think one of you all had a story about that, right? Yeah, Peter Jackson, when he was making Lord of the Rings, was like showing, like, he was like, oh my God, you have to watch this movie. He was like on set of Lord of the Rings, like making everybody watch it. Yeah, he stopped production. He stopped, yeah. They, 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 <laughs> during their downtime, they're like, we'll film the fucking volcano shit tomorrow. Come over here, guys. Yeah. And Look at this shit, Aragorn. <laughs> Peter ja- Peter Jackson in 02 with Lord of the Rings like this guy's like printing money back there dude could you <laughs> imagine Peter Jackson and fucking Ian McKellen are sitting there just watching this movie <laughs> yeah. fucking Sean Astin comes in it's like what do you oh my god <laughs> I think that's why because I think most of those people had been in, in some sort of exploitation movie before and they all can appreciate it. I think that's what he saw, much like the whole James oh, yeah. Cameron going like, we have to go see Evil Dead 2 to Bill Paxton. Yeah. Picked him up and said, Ian we're McKellen. going to go see Evil Dead 2. So you've got this whole other generation. Peter Jackson's going like, look at this guy. He's making movies that I loved and I did Dead Alive and all Meet the Feebles and all these exploitation yeah. movies when I was a kid. He gets it. Let's go check it out. And let's. Uh, and he actually gave some quotes as well, kind of like Stephen King did with Evil Dead. Yeah. Um, 
So yeah, he got he he had some good connections, but he also I mean this movie pays off. Oh yeah. Uh, it does. There was a bidding war uh, during uh, the, uh, was it Toronto Film Festival? I cannot remember. I think it's Toronto, yeah. Yeah. And during the the premiere, because that was like the midnight movie on the last night, and usually, well, at that time, things have changed so much now. You have Comic Cons and all these people who actually give a shit about these kind of film festivals and things. But this movie had a line around the block, and it's usually the last movie that it's kind of like, eh. Yeah. And people were waiting to see this movie. I yeah, think, I think a lot of word, of, like like he was saying earlier, like a lot of word of mouth came out because, like, I don't think definitely I don't, afterwards. I don't yeah. think I know anybody that really went to the theater and saw it. I know yeah, working no, in, the, in the video store, like, you know, one of my one, one, it came in and like we all got him early. We got him like two weeks early. One of my employees took it home first, and he's like, "Holy shit, you got to watch this!" And I'm like, "All right, let's watch it." Holy shit, you got to watch this. Mm-hmm. And yeah. then you know everybody's hyped about it, and then we're like, "Holy shit, you got to watch this!" It's ref- it was refreshing it down film. Faces. Yeah, it is because like at the time, like I was like I said, I was a freshman in college. Uh, like most of the horror movies I remember going to see in the theater were like Halloween Resurrection, <laughs> like that was I went <laughs> like stuff like that. That may have been oh three, but it was still like all the time. Like everything was like horror movies were just like. Uh, we're gonna you're gonna get stabbed. It's gonna cut away. They were There's trying no to violence. get the scream vibe again. Like it was all that, and you're like, oh my god, this woman has no lips. <laughs> like, <laughs> like that's that. Right. I was like, I'm in. Like I want this. Yeah, the good thing that Scream did, which was bring back you know like some sort of like studio interest in horror films again, it started to muddle it down because people wanted to keep making it formulaic. And then you have people like Rob Zombie who was able to do House of a Thousand Corpses. Yeah. And you have Stan Winston who did like a wrong turn. And then you have this movie. These kind of movies all in a row. And that's what I said, like the whole Splat Pack guys. You have yeah. Alexander Aja did uh, High Tension. And, you know, those movies all came out together and it was great. Frontiers. Uh, I mean, you know, then you had not too long after that it was like Martyrs and then May. Yeah. You had some great films. Well, and they were you know, going back to saying something's a product of the time, these movies actually really benefited from the time and kind of this, I feel like Cabin Fever really ushered in the torture porn or just like where you're seeing people suffer greatly because what was happening at the time, like we had just had 9-11, we're at war, we're actually torturing people not to get political. But, and so people needed more violence something more visceral to get a reaction and that's where we got all of these movies but that's that's a different episode we could oh no that's a totally good point because like like you could like if you were only having screen movies on like that were coming out like horror type movies like the only you could just like turn on cnn back then and just see like way more horror horrific stuff than you could on like any movies they're like we gotta amp it up now like yeah you know the actual it's like the it's like the megadeth video or whatever like this is the news right <laughs> yeah know? i mean you've got you know last house on the left by the way we didn't even mention david hess's song in this movie yeah, but i wanted to connect these two to make point to talk about him is that you had that movie coming in at the end towards of, of the of vietnam era yeah so david hess has a fantastic song from last house on the left in this movie yeah and that's yeah yeah that's a, that's a perfect example of that that's yeah that's vietnam and like that whole era of like crazy like yeah. it was the same thing yeah the same thing happened in vietnam where like you know they're like i'm turning on the movies and it's like oh let's dance the charleston down the thing here <laughs> and they're like i don't want to watch this shit like there's real stuff going on Not in the world and yeah it's the perfect example serena vincent actually did her uh, audition for cabin fever on 9-11 because she didn't get the email that please don't do this today because the shit's happening. Yeah. 
So yeah, she yeah. still came in, and they were like, "Didn't get the email. She turned on the fucking radio <laughs> or the TV." But she still she because when it comes to getting a job, when you were nobody, you did one movie, uh, or maybe a couple of movies, but she needed this job. So she did. They she did not get the memo. She showed up, and they were like, "All right, let's do it. Fuck it." On nine eleven. I had uh, football practice on 9-11, so I completely get what happened there. <laughs> wow. <laughs> it's a true story. Totally the same. <laughs> it's totally the same. Oh, man. Dave, do you have a question for us? Yeah, yeah. Oh, so shit. we're going to wrap this up. I want to know <laughs> what would be in your kit. Like, if you told somebody to go get a kit, what would be in it? Fuck me. I thought I, had the, I thought I had this covered. Yeah. I thought I knew the Dave question. I have an idea what you're going to ask me. What's the grossest part of Eli Roth? You're no, a piece no. of garbage, What would you man. put in the kit? What would be in your kit? One thing you would absolutely have to have in your kit. For a virus. No, anything. Like, if you were like, Katie, go get the kit. What would be in that kit? Oh, man. That's Ace first. That's not fair. Ace, what would be in your kit? You know what? My, you know what? Fuck it. VCR. <laughs> That's a big kit. It's going to be hard to carry around. Ace? Uh, I don't know for like, you know, the kit. For, it's not even just you're, the specific Yeah, not as specific. You're, you're just like, go get the kit. The kit? You're such a prick. It'd have to be like uh, like cash and like a passport. <laughs> cash and a passport. All right. Katie, you can answer too. Cyanide tablets. <laughs> because I've always said in like a very stressful kind of end of the world situation, I'm out. I'm not. I'm not going to handle this. Just cyanide. Yeah, just me. give up. Just, just whatever. Yeah, yeah I'm going to die. Okay. She's going to be watching the VCR. Ace is going to Puerto Rico. <laughs> Katie's going to off herself. Yeah. Well, I mean, at least I'll have a copy of Evil Dead with me. Yeah. You didn't say it was in the kit. <laughs> Only the VCR. <laughs> I know. I think it was like, what am I going to watch? Nothing. Uh, My nothing. hand. So now you just got a VCR. Congratulations, parts. Steve. God damn it. Let's get out of here, guys. Thank you all for tuning in uh, to our Cabin Fever episode. Oh, and if you want to know what it would be in my kit, I'll never tell. Anyways, <laughs> thanks, for, thanks for tuning wow. in to us. Uh, you can find us on uh, Anchor FM, Breaker, Google Podcast, uh, Overcast, Pocket Cast, Radio Public, Spotify, uh, Apple Podcasts, CastBox, Verbal.com, Facebook. iHeartRadio now. iHeartRadio. Uh YouTube, obviously, wherever you're you're, uh, watching or listening to us now. So like, share, and subscribe, and we'll see you later. Bye. Bye. Uh.